It's a peaceful protest. We walking, raising awareness. Some of the injustice that we've been seeing is not okay. And as a young person, you gotta you gotta listen to our perspective. Our voices need to be heard. People are gonna look back. Our kids are gonna look back at this and say, "You were a part of that." I got a grandfather that marched next to Dr. King in the '60s, and he was amazing. He would be proud to see us all here. We gotta keep pushing forward. Sports are like the reward of a functional society. Sirius XM Sports presents Forward Progress, a weekly open conversation on race and sports in America. Here are your hosts, Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison. Kirk, good to be back with you. You're gonna love today's rundown. We are in the dirt. All right, we got our fingers <laughs> in a three point. Let's go. All NFL on the program today, a little cool. bit later in the program. Uh, how the Inspire Initiative is well ahead of its funding, uh, which is a really cool story. Uh, one that's not as cool and, and much more complicated is the acquisition and placement of Deshaun Watson uh, with my Cleveland Browns. We'll talk mm-hmm. more about my thoughts in that space and hear from uh, the Browns newly quarterback uh, himself as he's gotten to the microphone. But let's start off with uh, the meeting of uh, leadership around the National Football League, Palm Beach, Florida. This week, all 32 NFL teams now will hire a minority offensive assistant coach for the 2022 season, part of a series of policy enhancement announced by the league on Monday. Um, and, And diving deeper, the coach can be a female or a member of an ethnic or racial minority, according to the policy adopted by NFL owners during their annual meetings. Uh, I want to just stop right there because I know you have touched on the dynamics and some of the optics of black coaches getting most of their opportunity on the defensive side. So for listeners that are going, well, what's the real big difference? Why, why don't you just give a little refresher on your view of opportunities given to people of color and now women on the offensive side of the ball? Well, I, I keep it simple. Um, there are four minority head coaches, or you could say five, I'm sorry. Mike McDaniel, who is a new head coach in Miami, he's a mixed race, but he is an offensive coach. Uh, but the other guys, and well, the two black head coaches in the NFL currently are Lovey Smith, who's the head coach of the Houston Texans, and also Mike Tomlin, who's the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Both of those coaches are defensive coaches, defensive-minded coaches. And they were head coaches in a different era. And they're still head coaches in, in this era now. Robert Sala also is a minority hiring as well. He's a also a defensive coordinator. Ron Rivera, also a former defensive coordinator. He's the head coach for the Washington Commanders. So of the 32 teams, we're looking at four or five guys, roughly, minority guys, but they're all defensive minded coaches you look at the new nfl coaching cycle the hiring cycle that just took place in 2022 where there's kevin o'connell brian dayball um i mentioned mcdaniel as well or you could also throw in josh mcdaniels who's the head coach of the las vegas raiders you see the trend here jacks it's offensive minded head coaches right and I'll, look, I'll throw in Mike Eber, Matt Eberflus. He's a, the former defensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts. He takes over the Bears job. But it's trending in a direction in which if you're an offensive assistant or offensive coordinator, you hold that title, 
the next step for you seems to be head coach before a guy who's a defensive coordinator goes to the head coaching spot. The NFL sees that. It's 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 now going into analytics. Well, analytics is telling me if I become an offensive coordinator, Jax, my next job is usually head coach because it's about scoring points. It's about fixing quarterbacks. It's about in a league of offense, offense, offense. So that's why this, to me, is now being put in place. And I love it. Just so I just want to give some, you know, just preface it by telling everybody that when you look at the league right now, it's trending more from offensive assistance, more so than defensive assistance. It's exactly what was noted by Art Rooney II, who happens to be the chairman of the NFL Diversity Equity and Inclusion Committee, saying, quote, we clearly have a trend where coaches are coming from the offensive side of the ball. In recent years, we clearly do not have as many minorities in the offensive coordinator job. And so now you have uh, this mandate for beginning, by the way, let me note this even more, this season. Yeah. <laughs> and they're, they're laying this down right now. The pool mm-hmm. of money uh, is going to come from a league-wide fund. And the coach must work closely with the head coach and the offensive staff with the goal of increasing minority participation in the pool of offensive coaches that eventually produce the most sought after candidates for head coaching positions. This is all very uh, intentional. Yes. has to be intentional. And I, I want to give a quick shout out to Bruce Arians and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They've been this forward thinking for a while now. And I'm not saying that all coaches or organizations have not been this way, but it really has stuck out for me that just two seasons ago, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win the Super Bowl and they have a black offensive coordinator in Byron Leftwich. They also have a black defensive coordinator in Todd Bowles. They also have a black special teams coordinator. So the positions of hierarchy outside the head coach, the next guys in line are all African-American. Oh, and by the way, they do have a woman who is a assistant coach as well. So you talk about, I know it's not, it's, it's funny to say, you talk about boxes being checked. These boxes have already been checked. So it's been teams like Tampa. It's been teams like Washington that have always been forward thinking and putting not just minority hirings in there, but also women into positions that can coach and be a part of this as well. So I think that's also been the bigger picture as well when we look at what's been going on in the NFL is that we need to get more people opportunities and to give more women opportunities. You said it, it's it's not going to happen yesterday. It's happening right now. Like it's not tomorrow. It's today. So to think that the NFL sees a problem and is going after it, I applaud them. I, I look at the way that the NBA sort of shifted. Remember, it wasn't that many black coaches. Now I'm looking up and you know, I'm watching what's going on around the country, you know, watching, you know, Ty Lue, Willie Green the other night with the Pelicans. Right. I'm watching the minority hirings and how I felt like the NBA has been better this year. And I'm not saying because it's just the coaches, but I do feel that there's always been this windfall of all oh, the game is changing or uh, the game won't be the same. But yet I'm seeing a better product and I'm seeing more new faces and you know, watching, you know, I'm not, not taking away from other coaches, 
but I watch the Celtics, you know, I'm, I'm watching the Celtics. They have a new, you know, black head coach and Celtics are number one in the East. Sorry about that, Jax. I know the heat. Yeah, were there they've, they've slipped out as we're taping right now. <laughs> yeah. They have slipped out. It, it was they, a, the the earlier in the week. <laughs> on Wednesday, head to head. I can't wait to hear what the result was after this. But I, I think, uh, I think the NFL took a page from the book though, sure. of the NBA and it, it, the NBA pointed it out. And I think the NFL pointed out as well now, like, hey, we have to fix this because we want the more diversity. We want to see more, um, you know, color. We want to see more minorities in that position. One of the craziest things, as you mentioned, Jackson, the owners meetings is in West Palm Beach. And every year, it's always kind of the running joke. It's they take a picture of all 32 coaches. Well, four coaches didn't show up, right? Bill Belichick, he didn't want to take the picture. I think Dan Campbell in Detroit, he wasn't there. Brian McCarthy, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Mike McCarthy, uh, Dallas, he wasn't there. And I believe it was one more other head coach. But it was 28 coaches up there, 28. Obviously, the two that stick out the most, <laughs> Lovey Smith and Mike Tomlin. And, you know, Robert Sala was there. I mentioned Mike McDaniel is a new Miami Dolphins head coach. But you can really see that the, the minority – base of head coaches in the NFL from that picture alone it's startling you're saying in a league that is predominantly of African-American players basically you can see on a picture that it's not being coached by the players who play you know what I mean it's kind of it's it's weird to see that but it also is a light bulb that has to go off that we do need more diversity in that situation. And for the NFL to say, you know what, we got to fix this. That's, I think, one step in the right direction. But I want to see how to hand out. Because they've been doing this too, Jax. They've been, you know, trying to hand out uh, incentivizing teams, right? S- giving teams draft picks. Okay. <laughs> think about that. They've said, look, you're hiring this part. Look, this team will get a draft pick for you hiring you know, from their minority candidates, their minority pool of coaches. So they've had this, but it still hasn't worked. So now you've added this. So it's not like the NFL hasn't been throwing darts at the dartboard. It's trying to find something that will stick and really, I think, keep going and last for a very, very long time. The commissioner admitted in February that the league had fell short of its goals during the 2022 head coach hiring cycle pledge to redouble efforts this offseason. So we will tip the cap um, to this because, listen, some teams already have the coach or coaches in similar assistant roles. That'll count toward this program. Uh, But the the requirement for all teams and having representatives in every aspect and every level is a little bit different. I think that's where sometimes the vacuum Mm. occurs is that you're trying to maneuver now as a woman or a man of color uh, through an organization that's only looking at the top. Well, how do I get to the top if I can't get in (laughs) on the offensive side of the ball where everybody's looking? You know, so this starts to kind of massage that a little bit. That's one of the points I want to make, by the way. In addition to this offensive assistant coach mandate, Uh, the league also added women to the language of Mm -hmm. the Rooney rule at all levels. It's now going to read that women and or people of color can satisfy the requirement to interview uh, two external minorities for top positions, including head coach. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
I like that because now th- there are some great women in sports. And, you know, I, I had the pleasure of working uh, with uh, Amy Trask, who was at the time the most <laughs> um, powerful woman in, in football outside of the owners. <laughs> um, but to watch her navigate in, in a room of owners, in a room that, you know, she was a woman, she had to hold her own. And I always admired her for that. And we still share, um, you know, that friendship today because I knew that when I was talking to her, I never saw her as a woman. I saw her as an equal. I saw her as, as, as ownership. I saw her as um, the voice of the team pretty much when I was an uh, Oakland Raider at the time. So I know that the, the women in the administrative role needs to increase, whether it's general manager, assistant general manager, there are some, some in place. I know Cincinnati has worked with assistant general manager who has, who's been a woman or having women in, in the, personnel department is just another voice that should be of an equal voice. But now the NFL is saying, Hey, you can hire, you can, you, 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 you have to interview, you have to put more women in. And I trust me to me, I think you need it sometime because in an ego driven sport, (laughs) NFL is ego driven. I always said that. But you do need some of that balance. I know my wife, she's my balance because I know, hey, we're going to do this. She's like, no, no, we're going to do uh, it, But it's back and forth. And you come to an agreement and you say, you know what? You're right. You know, I never saw it from that perspective. And to see it from that perspective on, on this side, it looks to be that the NFL sees the lens of where we're moving towards, Jax. We're moving towards more eyeballs, more females, more young ki- women who can now grow up and say, Hey, I don't have to grow up and, and, and think about, Oh, I want to be a teacher or a doctor. Hey, I want to be a front office personnel executive for team X. You know what I mean? Like those conversations can now be had where if we said this 20 years ago, someone would laugh because they would, you would never expect or think a woman could be in that position. But I think it's changed now. And I think the NFL has done a good job of highlighting that in not forcing teams or making the team to understand that this is what we're doing because it's better for our league to have women and also more minorities in place. NFL also announced a diversity advisory committee, part of commissioner Goodell's pledge to invite outside experts to evaluate the league's diversity. The, the final thing in all of this, it really caught my eye is a mission statement to encourage and attract diverse members of prospective ownership groups. Here's here's the mission statement. Uh, I'm looking forward to your reaction. Here's the quote. The membership will regard it as a positive and meaningful factor if the group includes diverse individuals who would have a significant equity stake in and involvement with the club, including uh, serving as the controlling owner of the club. It's going to be an interesting opening of the door, right? Because right. It's, we're more mindful of it, but... It ain't cheap owning an NFL team. No. So the, I don't know, the ushering in, how does that even occur, right? There's only so many people who have the dollars to be small percentage investors in teams, let alone, you know, do, do, are, are you starting to talk to, let's get aside the corporate names that may fit into that space, but the new billionaires that are coming up uh, through their own sport and <laughs> right. other sports and entertainment, by the way. 
<laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's one that I believe that I, I want to say that we talked about it um, um, not too long ago, and they were trying to. I'm, I'm trying to figure out who it was, but I want to say it's. Oh yeah, that's who it was, Byron Allen. Or, um, you know, he is one of the candidates to hopefully be able to purchase the Denver Broncos. Um, it will be up for sale soon, I believe. Um, and so they have, I know more than five, but less than 20 is what I was quoted or what I saw quoted at, at the owners meetings in terms of the Denver Broncos franchise. And so a lot of people are going to ask, okay, if we are about the diversity, if we are about the equality, the inclusion, it does start at the top and the top is the ownership, not really the coaches and, you know, the players, no, it starts at the top. And so how do you usher in or allow someone outside of that good old boys network to join that club? What is the criteria? And so obviously Byron Allen is a name who a lot of people who's, you know, um, you know, African, you know, black man, former, uh, you know, comedian, television host, build a, a billion dollar empire. He's built that through entertainment and he wants to own a football team. Now, how does he find a way to be, or how does the NFL find ways to allow him to have that might that that majority stake, or how much does he get to own in terms of the group? So that's where people are kind of looking at this focus on. If you're really about it, I like what you're doing with these coaches and in, in, in initiatives of minorities and women's, but if you want real change. Let's see if you can have an owner. The NBA's got him. Can you do it? You know, we've seen Major League Baseball. The NFL is still, still falling behind in that. All these are now front-facing initiatives. We'll keep an eye on how those things all roll out. It's going to be a quick run uh, for many teams to try to fill that position now with funding uh, from the league. So, budget, yeah. <laughs> not your issue. Get it done. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back. Uh, we dive inside the arrival of Deshaun Watson in Cleveland. Uh, I will give this disclaimer. I am and will forever be a Browns fan. My perspective on his arrival, as well as hearing from him and getting Kirk's expertise and breakdown. <laughs> uh, when we come back here on Forward Progress. You're listening to Forward Progress on Sirius XM Radio. So, Kirk, we have the arrival of Deshaun Watson in Cleveland, uh, and it looks like you, there's not going to be much of a competition. There's some, there's some work to be done, but that man <laughs> right. is going to be QB1 for Cleveland. Uh, with his legal dynamics still in place, and, and right now, um, when you have over 20 civil suits. Civil suits, yeah. As it pertains to your sexual behavior with other women. Um, that's more than pause, right? Uh, I, I grew up, I am, I anticipate always being a Browns fan. I've heard other Browns fans say that they're out uh, right. and that yeah. they're moving on because of Deshaun Watson in this place. Um, listen, I've made mistakes professionally. Uh, many other people have and just won't look in the mirror and be honest about that. Right. You, you, you want to have uh, some semblance of understanding and so before i get into where i am as a fan and where i am as a professional observer uh deshaun stepped to the microphone 
in Cleveland this week and introduced himself, thanked everyone, tried to give a real kind of separation of the situation he finds himself in versus the person he views himself as. First, I want to say thank you to um, Dee and Jimmy Haslam and the Haslam family for giving me this awesome opportunity to be the quarterback of this historical organization in the Cleveland Browns. I want to thank A.B. and Coach Kevin uh, for also giving me the opportunity to come here to, to join this organization, join this locker room to lead these guys and be a servant leader. And then another opportunity for, you know, this organization for me to come in here and have the opportunity to show this community, show this city, show this organization, show, show this locker room who the person I really am. And that's the main focus that I want to do is continue to show people who I really am and get my story out eventually. As a person, I'm genuine. Um, I'm hardworking, servant leader who loves to be social in the community, who loves to give back, very kind of team oriented, but also I want to be able to show that eventually and get out into the community. I know these allegations is very, very serious, but I, like I've mentioned before, I've never assaulted any woman. I never disrespected any woman. I was raised by a single parent mom who has two aunties who's her sister, and that's who, that's who raised me. I was raised to be genuine and respect everyone and everything around me. All I can do is keep moving forward and continue to, to, to show the person that I am, the true character, the true person, the true human being I am. Like I said before, I've never done the things that these people are alleging, and I'm going to continue to fight for my name and clear my name. I can't speak on, on what people's um, opinions are, um, because everyone has their own opinions, but what I can continue to do is tell the truth. And that is I've never assaulted or disrespected or harassed any woman in my life. My intent is to continue to clear my name as much as possible, and that's what I'm focused on. I have to earn that trust, to be honest. You know, I have to earn that trust back in, into the community so I can step out. I don't want to just jump out and make it seem like I'm not doing it. I'm just doing it just to try to clear my name. It's hard for me to say the counseling part because I don't, I don't have a problem. You know, I don't, I don't have an issue. And that's, that's what I've been saying from the beginning. So this situation is, is definitely is, is tough and it's very difficult. But me as, a, as a, having a problem going to counseling and things like that, I'm willing to talk to people about certain situations to make sure I'm not getting back in this. Getting a strong leader who loves to work, who loves to make sure he uplifts everyone around him, who's going to compete super, super hard, who's going to fight the, to the end of time of each and every game. And a guy that is, like I said, is going to push everyone to their full potential so we can win a lot of Super Bowls. Now, I'm all down for all the winning, right? And, right. and in the yeah. end, that's what's going to be the real dry race board. Uh, and, and that's unfortunate. I'll be honest with you, Kirk. I, I'm conflicted because I have been a Browns fan in the Super Bowl era. And right. I, was not a, I was not alive for the championship era where the majority of this team's mm -hmm. success occurred, by the way. I endured the hiatus of the team moving to Baltimore and then returning in 99 and these, these moments of hope that have just dwindled, uh, unfortunately, into it, it just we were grasping at, at embers of the reality that we have some road to hoe. Um, Deshaun Watson, the quarterback, gives you belief that with the team that's already in place, a wonderful defense and an offense that just needed a, something more at this right. position. 
you feel like that that's probably going to occur. But you also say, well, what is my standard for how far I will go? And I'm not even taking in comparing Deshaun to other quarterback opportunities. I'm talking right. about being a fan of my team wearing that burnt orange and that seal mm-hmm. brown and, and, and also trying to be mindful of how women and, and advocates for women would feel in this space with this man being the quarterback. I will be candid with you. I have not reconciled that. Yeah. I think that's the hard part for a lot of people is because Deshaun Watson is um, he's a public figure and a well-known public figure, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And I think where it kind of comes to this to where he was not charged by a grand jury, not charged by a grand jury. There will be no charges by a grand jury for Deshaun Watson in two different counties down there in Texas. And immediately when that happened, people said, see, he's, he's innocent. He's innocent. Well, he's innocent of criminal charges. Now, did that, did something occur that that's going to be left up to uh, the different depositions that he's going to have to go? We've seen some have been leaked in coming in the last couple days of him having to sit down and answer questions. And it's, it's, it's a lot for me, Jax, because I think you mentioned it, that he has some making up to do with, with the, the fan base, with women, with everybody. A and great so deal. I, a great deal. Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out how does he rehabilitate himself? Mm. Do, do I think that he is a bad man or a bad person? No, I don't think he's a bad person. Did he make some bad decisions? Possibly. Yes. How does he move though? Is it and and not not all about football? Because see what happens is I remember when Michael Vick had his incident, and Michael Vick had to go to go to prison for dog fighting. Now I've since seen Michael since that whole incident. He talked about how he had to rehabilitate rehabilitate himself. I was doing the wrong things. I was around the wrong people. I was trying to you know, live a life of, Hey, I'm everybody's friend. When in reality, I got to worry about myself and my family. And he wish he could have done things differently. As far as Deshaun Watson goes, he's the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. He got the first guaranteed contract, $230 million guaranteed. And this is what's been kind of circling my mind is that he doesn't become the highest paid quarterback unless he has some missteps, I will call them. Think about it. He was locked in as the quarterback in Houston. Everything was fine. Then the reports, the allegations, the, the civil lawsuits have all come out. And he actually comes out of this richer. <laughs> Think about that. Like the situation, he comes out with a guaranteed $230 million contract. And I'm saying, is that the the world that we're in right now? Is that the U.S. that we're in? People can monetize in a situation that is still unsettling. And so I think for now, how do you, how do we, how do you move past it? You know. And then on top of that, he's also a black quarterback. And you know, we've had the Warren Moons on, we've had the Doug Williams on, and we always talk about what those quarterbacks had to endure, what they had to go through to be a black quarterback in the NFL and how it's almost to where you don't get a second chance. 
And I almost feel like this is a second chance for Deshaun Watson because of what he can do for a franchise and not necessarily understanding of what he did all I mean, for the understanding of what he did off the field or did didn't do or did not do. I don't know how much people are forgiving of what he's been accused of doing, but at some point, do you support his rehabilitation or do you say, I never want to see him on my football field ever? Well, we don't know when we're going to see him, right? Like that's right. number one <laughs> on the list right. is what is the NFL going to do? This is such a different dynamic with out criminal dynamics. There are, are they going to see through how many of these 20 plus civil suits right. end up being in place? I'm, I, I, there's no way I know the conduct language better than you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's probably a, a more, a more broad brush applied to what is now public known behavior. Right. And how that impacts a particular code and, and what is the commissioner's true desire, what message that needs to be sent in this yeah. place. Is it a game? Is it four games? Is it eight games? Is it another season lost? Will the season lost not playing in Houston be a part of the thought process of how much time this young man should miss? Yeah. And then I think one thing we do know is that he will not get paid leave. So that was, and that's not going to be the, the case here. It would not be a, paid leave similar to how it was last year in Houston. He got paid every game last year because he was still on the roster. He just didn't show up. He wasn't around. That was agreement between he and the, and the team. Um, it's going to be a little bit different in the NFL. Like you mentioned, uh, the NFL's conduct policy. So the NFL is already ongoing and it's, a, it's in its investigation. And so all you do is look at precedent and you look at other situations similar to this, not in the same light, but similar. Um, Ezekiel Elliott, six games, he was suspended uh, for a uh, a similar type situation, uh, but was never convicted. Remember, never charged. No, oh, sorry, that convicted was never even charged. Um, I think also same thing with Ben Roethlisberger, never charged, settled, had a six game suspension, was reduced to four. So there has been precedent in terms of other situations where. It's been six, but is this eight? And what will the NFL find in its investigation um, as well? And I think it's, it's, it's hard because, you know, for a guy like yourself, Jax, you're in Cleveland. This, this is your team. And so you're torn because you're like, man, I love my team and I'm going to fight for my team. And, hey, we're going to have ups and downs. And then you bring in Deshaun Watson and you're like, man, okay. And now you start to question sometimes the ethics, I think, at times. How far am I willing to go to win? <laughs> Correct. <laughs> like that's the, Let's just I think go ahead people, and lay it down. People right. are asking themselves, I think, like, how far am I willing to go here? Because I'm all about winning, but winning at what cost? All right. You know? And, there's, and, and here's the thing, Kurt. There's no one thing Watson's going to do. Correct. Right? There's no magic wand. There's no snapping of the fingers. You, as he noted in the press conference, if he feels like he is someone other than what people will initially view him as due to these incidents, allegations, and now pressing civil suits, uh, you have to see it. Yeah. And that's, 
over a period of time. And I think every touchdown time. pass will, will move that needle a little further in the minds of some Browns fans. But listen, I'm not begrudging anybody that just says I'm out. That they're mm-hmm. taking it off the jersey, throwing it in the middle, and, and they're please don't light them on fire, people. Not, <laughs> yeah, Cleveland and lighting jerseys, man. Good We've boy. seen that way too be too way too much. But I think it does take time. Yeah. And this is obviously in, in the heat of the moment right now, too, right? This is the you're still fresh on the minds. And as time goes by, what does he do? You know, how does this end in terms of those civil lawsuits? And then where could he be better as a person? Is it volunteering at, at, at women's shelters? Is it volunteering at certain places? Where can he use now his platform and his voice to go and say, hey, look, this is what happened or what occurred or what didn't occur, but I still want to be a part of um, and, and a organizations that have came to me and, and asked, you know, is, it, is there something that I can do that I'm aware of? Because, you know, some of these incidents, again, we'll see what the deposition, we'll see what the settlements and all. I don't know what the numbers are going to look like, but a lot of that is still ongoing. But with that ongoing, how can he also show uh, sympathy um, and also find a way to bring positive change or positive voice to an unfortunate situation that occurred between he and maybe <laughs> 22 other people? It still kind of baffles me, but I get it. It is a constant struggle between a lot of people in terms of. Are you behind him or are you against him? Is it about your team or is it about the person? There's a lot still to kind of wrap your mind around and moving forward for the Cleveland Browns. There's a lot of finger wagging. There's a lot of back turning. Uh, there, there's a lot of hypocrisy. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's be really honest with all of us. We all probably have vices that we're, we're glad nobody gets a chance to see. Right. <laughs> and, and, and this young man has put himself in a position where not only do we get to see his proclivity for his, his personal desires. But then mm-hmm. in many cases, all of this is just off the edge of the abyss for, for, for a reasonable person in consideration of what you do in these exchanges. And the challenge of that is, is there, there isn't like this awesome sex workers platform that gets a whole bunch of empathy, right? Right. Mm-hmm. It, it's not the space where, you're going to go into a standard, uh, let's say, think tank or advocacy group that does a lot of work in that space. And, and even for the organizations that do, would that move the needle for everybody that's got their pearls clutched and, and fingers pointed for this young man? I, it, it, my gut feeling is this is just a scarlet letter that he wears. Yes. This isn't going anywhere ever. It just gets muted to some degree if his desire of Super Bowl winning in Cleveland ends up coming to be true or not. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's going to be a stain um, that he won't be able to erase, but he can definitely clean up some of it. And, and if he's able to do that, I think it does give, you know, kids, maybe uh, people who look up because kids are going to look up to him. He's the quarterback of an NFL franchise. They're going to look up to him. And yes, his on the field play is going to be a lot of what they see, but I think he now has to turn about what am I doing off the field? What am I doing to help myself, but to also show people that the incidents that have occurred or did not occur, 
that that's not who I am. Let's take a quick break. We keep our NFL flow going. The NFL's Inspired Change Initiative had a fundraising goal of, I believe, a quarter billion dollars over 10 years. We'll see exactly where they are in that game plan and many of the initiatives in that program that we share right here on Forward Progress. We'll do that more when we come back, so stay with us. You're listening to Sirius XM Radio. Radio. We now return to Forward Progress. Here's Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison. Kirk, the great thing about having uh, all your NFL ownership buddies up the street is I got all the news just rolling right down on me. <laughs> yeah. On Palm Beach. Uh, I'm, I'm on the road with the team right now, so I'm not enjoying the glorious uh, trade winds of the ocean coming in in the springtime. Right, right. In, uh, <laughs> Southern Florida. But uh, I did notice a really cool story that did come out, and it's the progression of the Inspire Change program. When the NFL launched that program back in 2017, by the way, uh, the goal was to reach $250 million over 10 years in its commitment to social justice initiatives. The league is almost five years ahead of schedule. Yeah. How about that? At the owners' meetings uh, on Monday of this week, the NFL announced that Inspire Change has eclipsed $237 million towards this commitment up from 180 uh, that they talked about just in December. So the increase includes additional league funding as well as team and ownership efforts uh, not yet tallied uh, through the end of the 2021 season. Um, so it, it's really good to hear uh, because it's funny, the NFL's uh, executives over this space, I believe, Anna, Anna Isaacson, who yeah. oversees uh, the social responsibility noted, that they didn't even realize that they were this close this soon. Yeah, I think it's because of the, it's been the, the 32 owners all coming together, 32 teams. Um, and they've decided to to sort of share this responsibility. Um, and when you think about sharing a responsibility, say, so how can we? Well, it's pretty easy when everybody's on board and everybody said, hey, this is part of our league. And how can we help? How can we inspire the change? And I remember, again, uh, during the Super Bowl, this past Super Bowl, 56, Rams and uh, Bengals, even in the back of those end zones, right. said inspire change, erase racism. Um, this has been ongoing and it has not wavered, has not weighed, it has not, hey, we did something in, in place and we hope everybody is, is happy with what we've done and we'll move on from here now. The NFL has continued to say, hey, look, this is something that we have to continue to keep doing every single day. We can't take our foot off the gas. And you see it now, they're putting their foot all the way down. You know, to be, they said 10 years and you get two fifty two hundred fifty million. Well, it ain't been 10 years yeah. and you're it's already, five. yeah, it's just five years and you're already eclipsing that because I think that they really see that there is positive change. They're, they're seeing that there is positive change in, in, in their organizations, but the, the way you look at the NFL, uh, NFL has had some, you know, they've had their, their share, right? Colin Kaepernick is still not in the NFL for right. what, um, people say he's been blackballed. Uh, he's still hopefully get, they get an opportunity. You keep your fingers crossed, but you know, it's been those types of situations that people have looked at the NFL and say, are you really about people who want to affect change? Or are you just worried about your bottom line? And now they're worrying about it. They say, Hey, no, we want change, but I think they want to do it more on their terms. They don't want people to push them and say, Hey, you need to do this. No, we're going to do it, but we do it things our way. And this is showing you that now they're putting their money where their mouth is. 
Yeah, the money has gone to nonprofits and hundreds of grassroots organizations. Uh, Inspire Change, as the NFL notes, is built on four pillars, education, economic advancement, police community relations, and uh, criminal justice reform. Most recently, uh, Year Up Wall Street Bond, Free Mind Book Club, and uh, Getting Schooled have received grants. Uh, but the thing that blows my mind in all of this is, remember, this money has come rolling in in the midst of a pandemic. Yeah. And I think that needs to be pointed out that, you know, teams' revenues haven't been at the same level um, during this run. Uh, but at least there has been this commitment to toss the money in the proper space to really work on social justice and the digital divide and really trying to focus in on these specific points, like you said, that, that the NFL has identified themselves. Yeah, you mentioned Anna Isaacs, and she she said it best that uh, me and you, we always refer to the summer of 2020 as the awakening um, with George Floyd. And um, I think she refers to it as the banner year for community responsibility and commitment. And I thought that that was huge because it was like we saw what's going on in Minnesota, but yet when you look around, it's, hold on, we got to make sure we're responsible for what's going on in our own community as well. We got to commit to our own community and hopefully it branches out. And now everybody is on board. If we're taking care of our own community, that's going to help out the entire, you know, landscape, the entire, um, you know, country. But if we're worrying and looking over here, then what's going on in our own backyard? And I think that's where the NFL was looking around and saying, what could we do? What could we do? And you know what? We've got 32, and we know to have a professional franchise, whether it's baseball, basketball, football, it don't matter. I mean, it's a pretty big city. I mean, your city got to be booming. Your city pop because we know these franchises ain't going nowhere where they ain't going to make no money, right? right. But I, I say that because you have the opportunity to create the, um, the responsibility that's needed in order to continue to keep the, the conversation going, to keep the understanding going, to, to be able to have the, um, you know, social justice reform, to understand that each community is going to be different, but to be a part of that group of the professional sports franchise, it's still taking care of the community around you. You don't want to be that community that's not doing the right thing. That's that you want to continue to keep pushing forward, to keep pushing, having these tough conversations. And the NFL has done that here. The NBA has done that. We've had countless people on uh, from the NBA. You know, Major League Baseball. They, they, I think they're next up. They have to start pushing uh, their agenda a little bit more to get people to understand that this still is a process. The NFL is not done. It's not, hey, this is our 10-year commitment, and, hey, we did it. We finished. We're done. It's still where are we at after 10 years, and what more can we still achieve and accomplish and move forward? Social justice, it, it leads the conversation, but I love the specific impact on trying to bridge the digital divide. As we learned, particularly through the pandemic, there was a massive gap when you're going to remote uh, electronic learning Yeah, uh, that you had students, too many, who didn't have access to what we believe is 
simple technology. How we've done this show for over a year <laughs> is yeah, so critical. Right. You and I are in different spots uh, all over the country all year long. Mm -hmm. So it's necessary to have the remote ability to, to do this show. Even outside the great remote ability, we have to do our shows. Yeah. Pulling back the curtain a little bit, we both do our shows from home. We don't have to go into a studio. We don't have to rush around. Uh, anymore when we're on the road we just open up our laptops and zoom away and mm -hmm. and thank goodness we've all become better at all that think about students who didn't even have this and couldn't get their homework done yeah <laughs> not access to simple tech and so the fact that the nfl is leaning in on that specific area as well as kind of the grand never-ending work of of social justice uh it's good to have kind of your finger uh, or at least let's say your fingerprint or your thumbprint in a couple places, in a massive initiative that never ends, and also in a place where you can start to check off like, you know what, we're, we're closing these gaps and, and getting this web spread further uh, to young folks who otherwise would, would be trying to get over a hurdle they couldn't alone. Yeah, and utilizing the resources that's, uh, or you're giving out more resources, uh, making sure they're more available for folks. Um, you mentioned it that, this last couple of years, you realize the resources that you didn't have and that you needed. And I think now, you know, giving these resources to many in the different communities, inspiring the change um, is something that, you know, obviously <laughs> it's been great for a lot of folks and it's going to continue to get better. Um, it can't, it's helping and it's moving forward. That's what I want to see. Just where can the progress continue to go? Right. It's our show for progress. We want to continue to keep progressing. Look, is it is it it's better than what it was? And I always say that, you know, because people say, well, you still need to do this. I say, but is it better than it was a year ago? Is it better than it was two years ago? Like, tell me. And I say, yeah, it is better. So you're seeing the change and incrementally it's going to get better and better. And I love that the NFL will continue to have its it's time. It's going to continue to have its its ability to go out and fulfill that community responsibility and the commitment of giving, the commitment of inspiring change, and also ushering the new generation of young folks. I'm glad you brought that up because there, there can be in our desire to hold all of these entities accountable to their pledges, uh, right. to their work and their growth. And again, kudos to the NFL for getting all this dough in and noting that $250 million is not a stopping point but that's right. a press through point uh and getting there in nearly half the time but you can acknowledge the growth while holding people accountable yeah absolutely that's all you want acknowledge what it's come from and can say hey we can still aim higher my man we did it again um absolutely this next week we'll go all nba is that is that fair? That's cool. Just as long as you, <laughs> as long as you keep Udonis Haslam away from me, I'm good. I'm all right. <laughs> oh, come on, man. Sometimes you just gotta let people know what may occur. Hey, you gotta have those difficult conversations, right? I get it. <laughs> and then stay in first place. Yes, <laughs> I love it. Love it. Right, now. <laughs> my man. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Hey, you got it, Jax. Anytime, man. You know. And thank it. you so much for swinging by, staying with us, and enjoying. Another conversation on the program for our producer, Pernell Brown, my partner, Kirk Morrison. I'm Jason Jackson. We'll catch you next time on Forward Friday.